0: Welcome to another edition of Hidden Layers Podcast. Last year, we focused on the scientists and authors who are expanding the theory and practice behind AI, and specifically how deep learning is colliding with the vast amount of customer data available to marketers. This year, we're trying to focus on all the exciting ways these technologies are being used, for, uh, used or should be used by marketers. That's why we're very excited kick off the twenty nineteen Hidden Layers season with Christopher Penn, co founder of Trust Insights and a world renowned authority, a resource for all things related to the collision of marketing and AI. Between his blog, Twitter feed, literature, audio and video, there's no shortage of information to help people broaden their understanding of marketing and technology coming from Christopher Penn. In particular, thank he's you built a training <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Good, good. He, you know, Chris, he, Christopher, you, you've built a training course to help marketers understand and construct their own data-driven journey, um, and and you've written a, a, a book. The second edition of the book has just come out. AI for Marketers: An Introduction and Primer. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Great. So, so Christopher, you. Are pretty unique in that you bridge the gap between marketing and technology uh, you've described yourself as a bet quote unquote a better coder than most marketers and a better marketer than most coders, which really puts you in that unique situation one fit foot in both worlds uh oh and you also hold a fifth degree black belt in ninjutsu. that's what I <laughs> yeah
1: uh,
0: so what what made you become this man? You know, you know, ninjutsu and AI, you're like a a marketing superhero. So what, what is your marketing (laughs) AI? Yeah. What's your marketing AI (laughs) origin story?
1: So my origin story is I, I was originally a technologist. My, my master's degree is in information systems and, uh, I I went to work in the early 2000s at a startup, at a financial services startup, and w- what was originally update the web server became update the website, and what was you know fix send mail became please send the, this week's email, and that was at the same period of time where marketing and technology really did collide. Digital became the dominant channel in that decade, and. That has since led to, you know, at the end of that decade, it focused much more heavily on analytics. Well, analytics became data science. Data science became machine learning. Machine learning became AI. And so here we are today, almost almost two decades later, and all these things have kind of ended up in the same place.
0: Yeah, I, I feel, I feel uh, like we've, we've been on uh, a lot of similar paths. You know, I... I started as a consultant, but really my background in high school and college was technology and coding and uh, starting to help these blue chip companies use this new thing called the web and email and all these things. <laughs> Watching it all uh, come together and, and evolve so quickly over the last two decades has been, has been an amazing experience. So right. I was thinking before before we dive into your book, uh, could you tell us a little about, bit about your company, Trust Insights?
1: Sure, Trust Insights is a data and analytics consulting firm for marketers because marketers, especially folks who've been in the field for a little while, have never been quantitatively focused. It's not been you know where a lot of the the education is, where, it really where a lot of the practices. And so. I was working at a PR agency for a number of years prior to this and was watching people just struggle with even the basics of like, Hey, how, what was the impact of our marketing? How do we measure this stuff? And the newest and most interesting stuff, you know, in machine learning and AI about doing things like really sophisticated attribution analysis and, and digging deep into the customer requires knowledge of marketing and technology. And so we created trust insights. Uh, my, me and my co-founder Katie Rivera, uh, to, to provide these services to marketers who are like, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a successful marketer. I want to continue being a successful marketer. I want to focus my efforts on marketing. And I would like somebody else to do the data and analysis part so that I can remain focused on being the best marketer I can be.
0: Yeah. And, and, and so getting into, jumping into your book, because your book talks a lot about all those things, um, the book is called AI for Marketers Introduction and Primer, Second Edition and and you really you open the book talking about how marketers are struggling with AI uh, why why do marketers why are they struggling with technology in general like you said quantitative analysis in general and now AI and it just seems to have come on so quickly
1: you know a, a big part of that is because most marketers are thinking about building marketing for people, right? We market to people, or we think we do. But um, something actually my CEO uh, Katie said yesterday in a staff meeting, which is fascinating, was she's like, well, there's B2B B and there's B2C, but what about B2M? And I'm like, B2M, what's that? She said, business to machine. I said, that actually makes a ton of sense. It's a huge idea because marketers in today's environment have to be marketing to machines. Algorithms control What we see, what we hear, what news we read, what results we get from searches, what videos we see, what videos were recommended, we think as marketers, we are marketing to people. And sometimes we are. Sometimes we are. If if you're talking to somebody, if you're emailing somebody, you're talking to a human being. But an awful lot of the time, we are actually talking to machines, or machines are acting as gatekeepers to the people we want to reach. So we have to be able to to market to the machines and the people. And so – why marketers struggle with AI so much is that it is a technology and we are are in many ways trying to learn how to use the technology to, I guess, interact favorably with somebody else's technology so that we can go through these gatekeepers and get to our audiences. It's such a tricky thing. Most marketers have never really had to consciously deal with it except for folks who have been in like search engine optimization where they're like, yeah, what's Google's algorithm doing this week? Okay, well, we need to adapt our tactics to please the algorithm. And now with things like machine learning and deep learning, you are having to build in a lot of ways your own deep learning stacks just to kind of reverse engineer what other people's deep learning is doing to, to, you know, be gatekeepers.
0: Right, right. So these gatekeepers like the Google's and Facebook feeds and Instagram feeds and all these things, even the advertisers that are paying to put mm-hmm. ads in front of people, you're saying that, uh, Facebook and Instagram are they're, – they're choosing which ads to show, and you don't know how they're choosing those things as a That's marketer. right. Nobody
1: does. That's right.
0: Right, and That's it right. changes all and, the and,
1: time. And you know yeah, – it absolutely changes all the time. There was a fascinating interview on another podcast with one of Facebook's uh, chief AI scientists who was saying that we push source code. We push new source code uh, every hour. And so he's like the fa- the Facebook that you used before launch is not the Facebook you're using after launch. The co- underlying code is being is is being developed by AI and is being deployed by AI and is being tuned by AI. And so you are literally having machines writing and publishing new source code every hour. And and it, 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 there's just such massive change happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we we have our experience at Cognitive has been uh, less in that social gatekeeper round, but but more into the area of what you're talking about with clustering and, and uh, trying to understand the consumer behavior patterns and then predicting mm-hmm. how they're going to, uh, how are they going to uh, respond in the future to advertising and things like that outside of those communities. And we, we found that just like you say in your book, there's just, there's, there's too much data, you know, maybe we've talk about that. Like, why do marketers have to have AI helpers at this point? And you say data is one of the main things, right?
1: Yeah, an abundance of data. I mean, last year in 2018, uh, as a civilization, we pumped out about 30, I believe it's just 30 zettabytes of data, Uh a zettabyte is an unimaginably large number. When when I give uh, my keynote talks, uh, I, I'd say if you, if you were to start binge watching Netflix, right? Netflix, you know, about an hour's worth of videos, about a gigabyte, give or take. Um, if you were to start binge watching Netflix and you didn't stop to eat, sleep, or do anything other than watch Netflix, and you started 55 million years ago when there were still dinosaurs, um, you would just now be get, using up one zettabyte of data. So, you know, 30 of those is what we created every year. And marketers... are are just being overwhelmed by the sheer amount of data. I was pulling some data earlier for uh, some social monitoring we're doing for the the South by Southwest Festival, which is getting started uh, as we record this. And just in the last 15 hours, there's like 100,000 social posts about South by Southwest guess what? You'll, you, there's no way that you can keep up with that. And even more traditional social media tools struggle to deal with extracting insights out of that much data. So you really do need machine learning um, in order to extract those insights rapidly and be able to react to them, you know, in a in a reasonably timely manner.
0: So let's talk about that example. That's a great example. South by Southwest, 100,000, it's the first day, okay? And there's already 100,000 posts on Twitter or whatever, Uh, what tools,
1: how does AI help the marketer with that? So for the marketer, if you've got the right tech stack, you can take all that data and you can pull it apart in a bunch of different ways. One way, which, of course, everybody and their cousins talking about recently is influencer marketing. How do you find the influences in that much noise? Well, you would use something like data refinery or your data cleaning process just to extract out the named entities, the people who are talking to each other or about other people And you would want to measure uh, using a technology called network graphing, who's most talked about, right? A lot of the times influencers have a tendency to – influencer marketers tend to to take the shortcut and say, who's got the most number of followers or who's the loudest or who gets the most likes? But that doesn't really tell us who the crowd is looking at or paying attention to. So if you use network graphing technology, that would give you one set of insights that you can extract, you know, in 10 or 15 minutes with your own code and data uh, from that many social posts. Hey, here's what's happening right now. The other thing that I think is so important with that much content is using unsupervised learning, uh, primarily text mining, to see what are people talking about, what are the discussion topics, what are the things that are relevant, um, and, and so that if you are at the event or you want to be at the event or you want to understand what the zeitgeist of the culture is, you would be able to pull that apart in a relatively quick manner as well. So those two things with that type of data would be useful insights that you could react to quickly as opposed to like waiting for it to be over and then doing a report on it three months later. Yeah, so that
0: that brings up a uh,
1: um it sounds so easy, right,
0: when you talk about it, right? You know, get the tech stack, I have this vendor, and I have all this information that I can immediately use. But I feel like in the book, uh you talk about in my opinion some pretty complicated subjects. So you talk about the difference between supervised learning and unsupervised learning. Mm-hmm. Um what what good data looks like and 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 how to keep it it, it Like, can you hire a tech staff to do all these things, or as a marketer, do you really need to go back to school, or or, or what, or what? That's a really
1: good question, and the answer is dependent on whether AI and machine learning are part of your core competency as a business. If your business is data analysis, then absolutely, you as a marketer should be going back to school. You should be scaling up, or you should be hiring really technical people to help you build this stuff. If your core competency as a business is not data analytics and and not machine learning, then a good a good chunk of this is going to come either from agencies that you work with, uh, companies like Cognitive, companies like Trust Insights, uh, or are just going to come from software vendors. You know, if you're using, uh, uh, we use a one social tool called Talkwalker, and they've got some uh, credible, decent machine learning happening on the back end to help you refine sentiment and understand, like you know, is this is this article on brand for your company or not? So. I would say that that's the deciding factor is is your your overall strategy Do you go back to school yeah. AI and machine learning and data science these things are professions. It's like saying I'm a marketer should I go back to school being a chef? Well, if your company's <laughs> core competency is cooking yeah
0: uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay so so all right, so are you saying that uh i don't I don't know many consumer brands that are uh, all about analytics and machine learning so most consumer brands you're saying you need to have new talent on your team you need to have good agency help or really some consultative vendors that are helping you learn how to use these tools like I am regular CMO I've been doing my job in consumer marketing for the last 20 years Uh, I hire this tech vendor is that enough, or, or do I really need to hire a specialist that can help me interpret the output of these tech centers?
1: You know, I think that's something that happened even before that, and it's something I mentioned in the book, and that is that you, in addition to being the chief marketing officer, you need to be the chief questions officer. You need to be, understand what kinds of problems artificial intelligence is really good at solving, and then understand if you have that kind of problem, um there's a good chance that you know there is somewhere within your marketing organization but is it is it a priority so you alluded to one of the, the charts in the book talks about the differences between supervised and unsupervised learning and in numeric and non-numeric data and that's a really good framework for asking those questions if you know the outcome that you're looking for you're doing supervised learning right so you you know hey, i i want more sales i have a data set and i want to figure out what causes more sales that is a supervised uh, continuous problem and the techniques you'd use are things like regression analysis and such. And that, that is a, a, a defined problem that you can then much more intelligently go out and get a vendor for, or maybe you have a problem. You have, I have a whole bunch of unstructured data. It's, it's, and I, I'm not sure what I'm looking for, but I, I just want to know what's in the box. Well, there you're talking about association and dimension reduction type of unsupervised learning. And there, uh, again, uh, the, the questions, you, you have a better set of questions to ask a vendor instead of saying, I want magic. No AI is math, not magic. <laughs> I want, to reduce the amount of uncertainty I have in this data set, or I want to understand this is what uh, – th- these are categories that I need to classify. Knowing the questions to ask will lead you to getting to better vendors and partners.
0: Got it. And, and,
1: and speaking of
0: all, all of these subjects, you know, especially in the second edition, well, you wrote the first edition basically a year, year and a half ago in 2017. Uh, but in the book you say – well, this second edition has basically been entirely rewritten from scratch. Uh, could you talk a little bit <laughs> yeah. about that?
1: So, the first edition was actually a series of blog posts that I wrote because my friend and chief content officer of marketing props, Ann Handley, said, "Can somebody please explain to me like this AI stuff without you know digging into the math behind you know second order regressions and." so I wrote a series of blog posts, and then I was working you know, at, at an agency at the time. And agency life, it, we all know for folks who work in agencies, it's crazy, hectic and stuff. You don't have the time necessarily to, to do put a lot of effort into any one project because 15 things are on fire all at the same time. And so I just kind of copied and pasted and sewed up those blog posts into what was the first edition of this book. And one of the things I typically do is over the holidays – I will, uh, you know, write a new book, you know, every year. I try to. And I figured, ah, this year be a good year. Just kind of refresh that book because I know it needs to be tidied up. Some examples are out of date. And I opened that document up. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. You know, the, the it's not contiguous. There's references to, you know, links to this post in a book. <laughs> like, so <laughs> let all beliefs start over.
0: Got it. Got it. and And so, so, things have been moving so fast. Uh, and I think that's, that's also something that marketers I think are are struggling with that every six months, there's a new technology. There's something different in the way that, uh, the algorithms that they're fighting against or, or, or trying to maneuver within are changing. The technologies are changing. Uh, You know, deep learning and Siri and Alexa and speaking to computers and self-driving cars, that's all so new in the last couple of years. You know, what, how how can marketers, do you feel like they need to be doing this right away or they're going to be too far behind? Uh, How can they win when Amazon and Facebook and Google have been spending so much money on deep learning and AI and all these things for so long?
1: You know, it's interesting. Unless you directly compete with Amazon, you know, like if you are a, a retail company that ships stuff then and you're not an Amazon partner, then uh, you, know, you have a whole different set of problems. But for the most part, most marketers are competing against two things. They're competing against the, just for eyeballs because they're trying to get anyone's attention. And they're competing against a direct competitor. The good news for a lot of companies right now is that for the most part, most companies are pretty far behind the Amazons of the world, right? they are they they're still trying to figure out like how to log into Google Analytics in some cases. And so getting started now means that either your competitors are not terribly far ahead uh, or your competitors haven't started and and you have the opportunity to create strategic advantage. The tough part is that, yeah, the technology is changing and is changing wildly. And within the next six to twelve months, uh, marketers are going to uh, be facing probably their, in a literal existential crisis. Particularly anybody who does content marketing, because what's possible now? We, you know, uh, for for those folks who are in the the AI sphere, content marketing, content creation, natural language generation, really had its sort of ImageNet moment at the end of 2018 with. Facebook's Laser and BERT and Elmo and OpenAI's GPT-2, all these very sophisticated language models are now becoming more accessible, becoming easier to, to implement. And there is a, a real serious, I think, um, uh, existential crisis for markers, which is if a machine can now, with a, a, a seed document, just crack out a million blog posts that are credible, as a marketer as a human marketer, you had better be you know have you either have the technology in-house or have partners who can use it on your behalf because otherwise the first competitor that gets that in your niche in your vertical is going to destroy the rest of the vertical there'll be no room for anyone else
0: yeah so so that's so we've talked about a lot of different things here and but let let's say that I'm on the CMO I'm sitting down with you I have 10 seconds, 20 seconds, I have no AI on my, on my tech stack. Tell me, list three or four of the things you think I have to have to be successful with AI data, et cetera. Like what are the four top things that you say, all right, basically, no matter who you are, these are the things that you really need to be looking into? You, you need to
1: have clean data and a lot of it. You need to have a problem that can be solved with AI. Um, and you need to have a a, 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 budget, a decent budget to, to be able to accomplish it, um, but number one among all that is that clean data. Your data has to be clean, it has to be well chosen it has to be compatible it has to be comprehensive it has to be uh, credible, and it has to be calculable the The aspects of clean data are so important because machine learning and AI are are based on data the what goes into the machine is what comes out of the machine it, there's no magic. Um, And so, if you don't have the data, then you need to either restructure your system so that you do have the data, or you need to go and find the data and and get it and and get it into condition. If you don't do that, um, your AI efforts will be dead before they start because you'll be just putting garbage into the machine. And that's where so many AI efforts go awry is that companies like, oh, we can just, you know, we'll just buy this thing and do this thing. And, you know, they plug something in right off of the shelf and they're like, why doesn't this work? Well, because you're. You're you're putting you know uh, crude oil into the gas tank and expecting a Ferrari to, to, to race with it.
0: So so that brings up a really good point because that's what you know when we work with our clients it's it's sort of the same first questions what data do you have okay let's look at it and then regardless of deep learning or other machine learning languages there's always going to be feature engineering right this idea mm-hmm. that you have data but is it does does the algorithm or the, the, the science that you're trying to create the algorithm with work with that data? Okay. So
1: mm-hmm. in your
0: experience, in your experience, how does a marketer deal with that idea? Like uh, we have all this data, but now do I need a data science team to feature engineer it or do my vendors do that for me? Like what, what's your experience
1: Ben? You know, it's interesting. Feature engineering, you know, between data prep and feature engineering, that's like 90% of AI because the last 10% is just, you know, give the stuff to the machine. And, yeah, I think you do right now. For now, you do still need a data science. You need need data science expertise, whether that's in-house, whether that's a person, a consultant, an agency, whatever. You need somebody to help you with that part because – a big part of feature engineering is not the methodology. You know, it's not like, hey, let's you know, let's one-hot encode this to an America. I mean, you know, a 12-year-old can do that. Um, it is knowing what questions to ask of the data so that you can engineer the right features, and that is something that requires experience. You can't look at a data set and just say, oh, well, these are the magic five features that we're going to add. We're going to add number of characters. We're going to add uppercases and lowercases and, you know, nouns and verbs. Well, you know, sure, that's a starting point. But so many of them, so you really do need someone who's who's had some experience um coming up with the right features to engineer' Because the other thing is you know with especially with a lot of uh the algorithms that are out there you know there's that uh, real serious problems with Carl it's, if you have two data series that are highly correlated they're going to screw up you know gradient boosting machines like crazy so you you also need that experience to have to look at the data and say let's remove these these features that are that are duplicative or that are just going to cause you know useless interference so so and you you mentioned
0: budget in one of your last few answers and now we're getting to this idea of okay i need a data science expert what have you seen in your experience in consulting with these companies? uh, Number one, how hard is it to get them to think about this budget expansion for new types of talent? And then two, have they been able to see, uh, is that just a sunk cost? That's a cost of doing business. Now you can't, if if you can't be competitive without it, or is it reaping the rewards and, and delivering, you know, uh, more conversions at a lower cost, uh, et cetera, et cetera.
1: You know, I, and I'm sure you see this with your clients. It's it's a continuum, it's a spectrum. At one end, there is the sunk cost of you. You absolutely must have the basics. You must have good data. Even if you never use AI, you still need good data because that's fundamental to a functioning business. Um, and at the other end is the you know the folks who. It's a, such a buzzword, and and it always makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit to say it, but. For people, who, for the rare few companies that are truly doing digital transformation, meaning they have transformed their businesses to completely different business models based on AI and machine learning and the models they use, yeah, they're going to see multiples of return on investment in this stuff because they themselves will, be a, will become a data broker or a model broker or something like that where you know, that's, that's going to be a real revenue line that is independent of the rest of the business
0: and you in your book you talk about the most expensive part of marketing is the human capital element. How do you feel that moving towards an AI automation capability um, uh, puts people out of work or are they are they going to be able to do more with with less like how do you how do you see that happening in the future
1: so I'm going to say some things that are unpopular. <laughs> um, at, there's was a reporter from the New York Times who was at Davos, the most recent uh, World Economic Forum, who was saying that in public, all these companies' CEOs of the Fortune 500 are all saying how it's going to usher AI is going to usher in a new golden age where we'll be free to to explore uh, the limits of our creativity and stuff, and, and let the machines handle the mundane stuff. And that's what they say in public. And this reporter said behind the scenes at the at the parties. They're saying like, the CEOs were saying, this is my golden ticket. I want to take my headcount from thousands to dozens because that's going to help me hit my numbers on Wall Street. I'm going to make my quarterly numbers every quarter. My margins will be high, and I won't have to pay more than, you know, a few handfuls of people. So I absolutely believe that, especially for publicly traded companies, uh, the use of AI will squeeze the number of jobs because companies are incented predominantly on profit margin and not much else, um, in the publicly traded environment. And there's such scrutiny of companies like, Hey, you know, your earnings per share were, were four cents lower than expected that we're going to beat you up for a billion dollars. AI yeah. as it is right now is all about, um, making, it, it, because of its narrow nature, it's about making individual tasks go faster and better than a human can do them. If your job is composed of nothing more than a, a series of rote mundane tasks, then, yes, your job is in danger. I worked at an agency uh, where I saw there's one person, a low lowest paid person on our team, um, whose job it was to copy and paste data from one spreadsheet to another for eight hours a day. I'm like, In addition to crushing this person's soul, that is 100% a job that, you know, you don't need a human for. You don't even need AI for that. You, I mean, that's just process automation. And so I would, I would suggest to marketers, to executives, to the C-suite, look at what percentage of a person's work is repetitive and routine. That percentage of that work is going to go away to machines. If you, 5% of your daily work is repetitive, then 5% of your job is going to go to a machine. And that, you know, the other 95% of the value that you create for a company will be intact. If 90% of your work is repetitive, you had better be thinking about how to skill up.
0: Yeah, we've heard that before, definitely. And, uh, and we've heard it before in talking about sort of the lower-wage jobs, but it's definitely something that's happening in, in higher-paid, uh, white-collar jobs, especially in marketing, because we seem to have a lot of manual optimization, a manual uh, work being done that that is now able to be done by computers, so
1: unquestionably uh,
0: yeah and and so that's about all the time we have
1: but uh, the last question I want to ask
0: you is what's next for you what's next for Christopher Penn?
1: So right now, I'm paying very. I'm an IBM champion, which means I'm not an, I don't work for IBM, but it means that I have an expertise in certain IBM systems. And I'm watching very closely at the new Watson OpenScale product, which can help detect bias in models, and the new Watson Auto AI product, which will be out at the end of the quarter, uh, which will essentially have IBM's uh, Watson ecosystem take a data set that you feed it, and it will uh, sort of try and do what AutoML and some of these other uh, software packages do and, and really try and automate more of the process of the feature engineering of the data cleaning and of the model creation, also sort of in one shot. Uh, I am watching that very closely right now. I am experimenting a ton with AutoML, with you know just getting just dropping your 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 prepared data into systems and having software choose your your algorithms, your models for you. And uh, and I am watching extremely closely everything going on in natural language generation because that will radically change what we think of as marketing
0: fascinating stuff thank you very much Christopher Penn for joining us on Hidden Layers that wraps up another podcast we hope you guys come back and listen to more thank you very much thank you for having me